Let's welcome aboard Amy Dash, uh, CBS Sports uh, legal analyst, joins us now. Good morning, Amy. How are you? Good morning. I feel like I'm listening to a Fandango commercial. There you <laughs> yeah. go. We'll get to the sports here in just a moment. We usually get around to it at some point. Amy, thanks so much for coming on. And you know, wish we could have a, a more fun conversation, but unfortunately we can't. I mean, the Zeke Elliott suspension that gets, um, or excuse me, the preliminary injunction that comes down. We believe that Zeke might be able to play now for the entire season. First of all, I've heard that the only grant preliminary injunctions when it's quote unquote extraordinary measures. Um, Were you surprised that this came down at all? I was shocked. So when you bring a preliminary injunction request, when you're supposed to bring it, which means at the end of the arbitration, it's very hard to win. They brought this before the arbitration decision had even been handed down, so it would have been very, very easy for this judge to simply dismiss it and deny it. But what he did is he went looking for an exception, a way to give himself jurisdiction over this claim before he was really entitled to to have it. And he found this exception in the Court of Appeals that only oversees Texas, meaning they probably would not have had this result in New York. And what the exception says is that you don't have to wait for the arbitration to be finished if the judge finds that the employer's conduct basically rejects the remedies in the collective bargaining agreement. And so what he said is that by the NFL, which he believed trying to hide evidence from Ezekiel Elliott in their camp, that that whole conspiracy theory, that that basically puts them in a position of rejecting their own remedies in the collective bargaining agreement. And because of what they did there, then he could rule on whether the arbitration itself was fair. So it was a very, very, um, it was a very particular argument that I don't think we would see anywhere else. And it has me questioning whether the judge is a Cowboys fan. Really? Yeah, well, um, what's the next step here for the NFL? Well, they can try to appeal. But it's very difficult to appeal at this stage because, first of all, the courts don't even want to touch the arbitration agreements. Second of all, the courts want you to wait until there's a final judgment to appeal. So they, they have a chance to appeal, but it's very, very difficult to even get the right to. They have to you know, jump over a lot of legal hurdles that I don't think they'll be able to here. Wait, so you don't think that they're going to file appeal in the Fifth Circuit and try to do basically what they did with Brady and Adrian Peterson? Well, they will, but they have to wait until this judge makes his final judgment. So what I'm saying is they can appeal his preliminary injunction, but that's going to be very difficult. So they're probably going to have to wait until he issues a final judgment. And this preliminary injunction can basically stay in place for months, even years. I doubt years would happen, but definitely months. So when people are asking, is Ezekiel Elliott going to play, because that's what most people care about when they're talking about this case. That's pretty much all they care about. He's probably going to play throughout this season. Well, also, we're talking with Amy Dash. You know, Amy, one other thing I think that people might care about, if you're really following this closely, is the, is the precedent that this could set. You know, if Zeke does prevail here, and even if this gets appealed to the Fifth Circuit, and let's say he wins there, what is the precedent that this could set in terms of um, how players can sue the, I guess, sue the NFL? Well, what it would do is it would criticize the arbitration process, but really only because there's a finding here, according to the judge, that the NFL sought to ensure that he and his camp wouldn't get critical evidence. Now, that's them not following their own arbitration process. If they had simply not tried to hide evidence, 
which it sounds like the judge thinks that they did, then we wouldn't have a problem with their arbitration process as it's defined. So he's basically saying they didn't follow their own arbitration process. So I don't think it's going to set any type of a precedent. I think it's just going to eventually lead to an overturning of the award, and that's pretty much it. Now, if people think, by the way, that throughout this process we're going to find out whether Ezekiel Elliott actually committed domestic abuse or not, we're not. That's not what this is about, and the judge did not basically exonerate Ezekiel Elliott. All the judge ruled on and all the judge is going to continue to rule on is whether the arbitration process was fair and whether the NFL followed it. All right, once the final decision is there and they, you know, and uh, the NFL does appeal it, I mean, the, the timeline we're looking at, reasonable timeline here, Amy, is what? The decision could take months, the final decision, and there are procedural ways that the NFLPA can delay it. So we're probably into next season before there's an appeal to the Court of Appeals, and then that could take months as well. Very interesting. We're talking with Amy Dash. You know, this is one thing that I just I thought was just I, I don't understand it. I'm hoping maybe you can you can help me out. The NFL Players Association they tweeted out after the ruling on the restraining order and the preliminary injunction being granted to Zeke Elliott. They said commissioner discipline will continue to be a distraction from our game for one reason because NFL owners have refused to collectively bargain a fair and transparent process that exists in other sports. I'm confused by that. Isn't this collectively bargained? I, yes. I don't I don't understand what <laughs> yes. they're talking. I want to try to understand it, and I don't. Yeah. That's a great point. It is collectively bargained. So, um, so what are they saying then? Then they shouldn't agree. I mean, I guess they feel that they are in an unequal position in the bargaining process, that the NFL has all the power, and maybe the NFL has not been willing to budge on, on those points. We're talking to Amy Dash, uh, CBS Sports legal analyst. Um, Amy, how can, uh, you know, from your perspective, how can the NFL adjust here uh, what they're doing in handing out these kind of uh, suspensions without going to court consistently with the Players Association? I think they could do what they did with, with the Ray Rice situation, is that Roger Goodell handed the arbitration over to an independent former federal judge here he assigned uh, Harold Henderson, who we know worked for the NFL. He's an insider. So what the judge said in this case is that Harold Henderson committed serious, serious misconduct, that it was egregious in him not allowing Ezekiel Elliott to cross-examine his accuser in the arbitration or to cross-examine Roger Goodell. That's what made it unfair. When you're looking to overturn an arbitration award, there's only one question that the judge is answering, and that is, was it fundamentally unfair? He already answers it. He flat-out says in this injunction, it was a fundamentally unfair process. What does that mean? It means that we already know how he's going to rule. We don't even have to wait for his judgment. He's probably ruling for Ezekiel Elliott because he answered the one question that he's looking at throughout this whole thing. And the reason it was unfair is because Harold Henderson wouldn't let him cross-examine his accuser. Is there anything to say that moving forward, Harold Henderson won't be asked to be an arbitrator again? I mean, would this disqualify him from any hearing any further cases? Oh, I think it should. If the NFL wants to, um, wants to sort of get this to go away, uh-huh. if they lose, then I think they have to 
refused to assign cases to Harold Henderson. But to answer your question from before, they should assign these cases to somebody who's a complete outsider. You know, moving away just from Zeke for a moment, if you don't mind, Amy, uh, we're talking with Amy Dash. She's CBS Sports WFAN legal analyst. Uh, you can see her everywhere, all over. Um, one question I have about Michael Bennett, and obviously we saw this week um, he put out the statement about what happened between him and Las Vegas police um, after the Mayweather-McGregor fight August 26th. And, you know, he said that he's retained legal counsel, that he's looking at perhaps uh, allegations, you know, excessive force, racial profiling, thinking about a civil lawsuit, Then we see the video come out. Uh, I'm just curious, what are some of the legal options that Michael Bennett would have? Because it's my understanding that it's very hard to win a lawsuit against a police department. It is, but Michael Bennett's very high profile. And depending on what the video shows, if there's an indication that there was excessive force used and his constitutional rights were violated or that he was unlawfully detained, which would mean that he was detained for longer than he should have or there wasn't a reasonable suspicion to detain him, then he can bring these suits. And what normally happens, especially with somebody high profile, is that on the civil side, it would be settled. I mean, have if you he looked... wants to settle, he may not want to settle. Have you looked into this at all? I mean, what, what does this case look like to you um, in terms of your expertise? I watched the video. I found it really interesting because there are a lot of people running out of the casino. And I read the... Uh, the police department's letter, and they basically say that he hid and he ran. Now, upon first glance, if, some, if there are gunshots being fired and people are hiding and running, that doesn't seem suspicious to me. Why was his conduct suspicious Is he, if he's trying to get himself out of there? And so when I watched the video, it was very hard to tell because I saw a lot of people running, and then all of a sudden the police go, we have a runner and you see someone sprinting so quickly out of the casino, faster than anybody else. And they start pursuing him, and then he, like, jumps over this four-foot wall. Now, I'm wondering, did he catch their attention because he's an NFL player and he's just extraordinarily fast and adept at jumping walls? Like, who? nobody else was jumping over the wall. And was that his instinct because... That's sort of his training, that's what he does, and that's just how he responds to a situation where he's trying to escape. So I don't even know whether race really is an issue or not. I obviously can't say the police didn't target him because of his race, because I don't know what was in their mind. But I'm wondering if it was also a factor that he was just faster than everybody else when he was trying to escape. You know, final one for me, final one for you, uh, Amy, from me. What are the, some of the obstacles that he would have to c- overcome if he does want to bring a lawsuit against the Las Vegas police? Well, he would have to show that there was really no reasonable, he didn't create any reasonable suspicion in their mind that he could have been the shooter. Um, on his side with that is the fact that he wasn't carrying a weapon. And also the circumstances, the totality of the circumstances are on his side. Because if the police are saying that he created suspicion in their mind because he was hiding and then running and jumping over a wall when he was trying to escape from a casino where there was a, potentially an active shooter, that, that doesn't create reasonable suspicion if everybody else is also trying to get out. Because it doesn't make him do anything out of the ordinary. So, um, so I think he has that stuff on his side. But, of course, what he'll have to overcome is that the police have a lot of broad leeway in chaotic situations, dangerous situations, to sort of use their judgment and use their perception 
as to whether somebody is acting in a way that gives them pause to think that they might be involved in the crime. Amy Dash, CBS Sports Legal Analyst. Amy, we appreciate a couple minutes this morning. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. And, My pleasure. Uh, thanks for your perspective. Same to you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Amy.